0: This is Your Woo Woo Best Friend, a show about attainable transformation. Hi, it's Andy. Welcome back to the show. I'm bringing this episode to you today from London. It is our final week here, and then I'll be back in Los Angeles, and then we head off to Bali for our first retreat of the year. We still have some space remaining on the retreat. If you want a last-minute trip to Bali and your spring plans. It is going to be an incredible time. Bali is one of those places that is a vortex of incredible divine feminine energy. And March is the season to really tap into the year. It is the spring equinox. So come and join us if you would like to have a little or actually quite big, travel adventure to start off the spring season. Today, I'm excited to bring you our second interview of this season, I'm going to introduce you to Mary Firestone. She's a graduate of Princeton University and has an MA in clinical psychology from Pepperdine University. She's actually quite the retreat woman herself, and we'll talk a bit about that on the show. Her own transformative epiphanies led her, along with her sister Lucy, to found a company together. Over 10 years ago, with the aim of providing others with healing and growth opportunities. Their retreats have featured very well-known speakers such as Dr. Joe Dispenza, Dr. Jennifer Freed, Lauren Roxburgh, and Welding Beauty founder Gianna De La Torre. The pair also created an essential oil-based perfume company called The First, and the fragrance has a cult following and is sold on their website and at luxury boutiques and hotels all over the country. They have a second scent called open. And we're going to talk about so many different things today. We're going to talk trauma. We're going to talk modalities for healing trauma, including ketamine therapy, which I was super interested in hearing about Mary's experience. We're going to talk about Vedic meditation and so much more. Mary is a wealth of knowledge with such an incredible story. Let's get right into the interview. Welcome, Mary Firestone. Hi there Mary, welcome to the show.
1: Hi Andy, thanks for having me.
0: It's my pleasure. I'm very much looking forward to this conversation. You like me are in California as we're recording. We've been coming through some really wild weather and I think that no matter where folks live in the world, that's something that that is just happening more and more these days, but it's also something that prompted some of a great deal of the work that you're doing. So it it is quite a timely conversation for us to be, to be having. Truly.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's been, uh, this week has been very re-triggering, I think, not just for me, but for the entire community of Santa Barbara.
0: Yeah, yeah. So Santa Barbara is where you live now. Tell me about the experience that prompted you to write your book. You were not living in Santa Barbara then, you were living down the road in Montecito. So tell me a little bit about that experience
1: so we had moved up. my family had moved up from Los Angeles. I had a you know four year old little boy and I was pregnant so it seemed like a good time to move up to Montecito, which is just you know seven minutes south of santa barbara um and you know I had my I had my background in psychology and my master's degree in psychology and My sister and I had been producing and curating retreats for women that focused on all different aspects of healing and wellness for, gosh, we've been doing it for 10 years now. So that was five years ago. So, five years. So, you know, that was my world healing and psychology. Cut to, (laughs) we, you know, finally find like this perfect 1890s farmhouse. In the heart of Montecito, it's in the best public school district. It's got a huge, like, oak grove for our son to play in. And it's just, you know, down the street from Oprah's house. So it seemed pretty ideal. Um, and we wound up only sleeping there for four nights between the wow. Thomas Fire evacuations, which ravaged so much of Southern California Um so we were evacuated for most of December 2017 and then came back in January when the fire was almost contained and it was deemed safe. And uh, they called for, so it's our fourth night in this house, and they called for a an evacuation in Montecito, but not where we were. So we were not in the ev- evacuation zone, and they said there might be a debris flow and I think growing up on the East Coast, I don't, you know, I was like, what does that even mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, so went to bed and woke up at 4 a.m. for no reason that I'm aware of. And because we just moved in, we didn't have a chance to put up curtains yet. I could see like literally the entire mountain coming towards us at a record speed. Um, it was like a tsunami of mud and boulders and trees. And, um, I screamed to my husband, Oh my God, get our son. He was was on the second floor. And by the time he had run to go get him, the entire wall of my house had collapsed. There was mud and glass and sewage and uh, up to my waist. So I couldn't follow him and I had to run the other way, which was to my bathroom. And I wound up watching from the bathroom window, part of my house, the two-story part of my house that was my living room and the children's bedrooms ripped off, spun around backwards and, um, you know, going at 30 miles an hour in a river of mud to the ocean. And I thought that they were in it. Um, wow. Yeah. So, you know, it was, um, and then I wound up being trapped for five hours on my bathroom counter, covered in mud, freezing cold, pregnant, thinking that that my family had not only died, but, I mean, it felt like the apocalypse. I thought that everyone was probably gone. Mm-hmm. Um, so... <laughs> That acute traumatic experience led me into a whole different level of healing and um, and work that um, prompted the writing of this book on post traumatic growth and chronicling my journal, my journey, interviewing other survivors from all different kinds of traumas, and basically, it's like all different kinds of modalities that I tried who they would be right for, at what time, that kind of thing.
0: Hmm. Can you tell me a little bit about, you were already somebody that was working in healing. You had a this really beautiful background in psychology. We're, we're doing this great work with your retreats. And yet this experience, it's... It's like you can have some preparation in terms of knowing how to process and begin begin to heal. You can you can have all the training in the world, but as you go through it, that's a that's quite different than having an understanding of how to process. Can you talk a little bit about what shifted for you in your own mindset around healing having
1: gone through that experience? Absolutely. I think, you know, it was Such an acute trauma, and then you know there was also this. um, I had to keep moving forward because I had this four-year-old son, and we had nowhere to live. So there was a lot of like deal, like life dealing that had to happen. And I was also pregnant, and then I had a newborn. So, and I'd all you know, I had you know some instances of sexual abuse and childhood that had led to me exploring, um, psychology and, and healing in the first place. But that was kind of different. Like there was like an acuteness. And I think one thing that I really recognized even in before the mudslide and then afterwards, the reason that just psychology I felt was going to be not quite the right fit for me and what I wanted to do in the world because it was so intellectual. Yeah. And I recognize that, you know, going to talk therapy is extremely helpful. And also there, I could feel that there were still layers of trauma being held in my body and in my subconscious that weren't clearing from just the intellectual. Mm. So I think again with, you know, the the healing after the mudslide, that was very apparent is that to your point, we can intellectually understand something and process it and there there's more work to be done, um, you know, in releasing the trauma from the body and the subconscious. So that was the really exciting for, part for me in my healing was discovering those new modalities and experiencing, I mean, I just got super tested this week on Monday when there was evacuation orders and flooding and my house was flooding and, um, I, I was able to, yes, I was triggered. And also I realized how effective those modalities were because my, you know, the level of my anxiety was appropriate. It wasn't off the charts. My responses were, appropriate. So I'm like, oh, this actually, it really it really works.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit more about some of those modalities before we get there. For our listeners, if someone's hearing this and they're thinking, okay, I get the intellectual part, but how do I even know if I'm holding something in my body? Like, how do I begin to even discover and uncover that? What are some ways that we can tap into the body and into the heart to begin to release trauma that may have been stuck for a really long time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, for me, one place that a lot of people tend to store trauma and anxiety is in your gut. So if you're having digestion issues, um, you know, I know irritable bowel syndrome is like a catch-all that a lot of doctors diagnose that means nothing except... (laughs) that they know there's something wrong and they don't know what it is. But often I find that that is a good place to start if you're having sleep disturbances Mm. or issues falling asleep or staying asleep or nightmares, um, digestive issues, um, chronic headaches. Like there's ways that the body is giving us signals that Mm -hmm. if we, you know, even in one, you know, with uh, Kim Vincent, who I write about in the book, she practices NLP and hypnosis. And, you know, it's really asking those sensations in the body, like, what are you trying to tell me? Um, And I, I think that's a good way to begin to identify that there's something to release. And most of us, I mean, it's a sure thing that human beings will experience pain and suffering and trauma on some level. So most of us probably have something yeah, to release. Yeah, it's in there.
0: <laughs> it's in, in, in there. there. <laughs> yeah. And now and now, as, as you begin to have that awareness, and I know the folks that listen to this show, they are the type of people that are having that awareness that, yeah, I'm probably holding on to something. Then you have an opportunity to start to, to connect to modalities, which is something we talk a lot about on this show, is the modalities that can support moving through trauma and just... General general modalities that are good for our general well-being as we're yeah. as we're just living our lives. So what are some of those modalities that you think have the best impact in releasing trauma and just living a well life?
1: I think a really good place to start is um meditation. And for me that was, you know, I'm super type A and you know, years ago, I've been meditating for almost 20 years now. But I remember going to the first free seminar and thinking like, there is no way, <laughs> like no way. And um, and there was. And it, I think that was the first time that I really could like quiet a lot of the chatter and get underneath some of it. So I really, I recommend meditation. There's so many different schools of meditating. Um, the first one that I started with was Vedic meditation Mm -hmm. and my teacher, uh, Christian Bavakwa, he is still teaching green tree meditation. It's a great place to start. And something that I love that he said is, um, and even when we're talking about like places or things that we're holding in the body, He says, you know, when the thoughts come up and, you know, it's like little bubbles and soda. And we also, you don't always need to know what it is. It's like before you take the trash out, you don't like root around through it to see what's in there. You just take the trash out. So it's kind of the same thing. It doesn't always, it's not always necessary to identify what it is. It's like, let's just work on feeling better and calmer and more at peace and harmonious within our bodies. So I think meditation is a great place to start, um, movement therapies, Mm -hmm. you know, as, um, trauma often we kind of get like shocked out of the body because what's happening is so intense that there can be a tendency. We go into the fight, flight or freeze response and it's almost as if we leave our bodies, um, So coming back into our bodies and recognizing our bodies as a safe place to be and to inhabit. Um, So movement therapies, be it yoga, or even I love to just like dance around sometimes and just like shake it off. Me too. Love that. (laughs) Yes, it's it's the best. It's the best. And, you know, Peter Levine, who's a trauma expert, he's written a whole book about kind of shaking, well, not, it's all about shaking the body, but you know, animals in the wild, like when the wildebeest is chased by the lion, when they get to safety, they shake and they release all that excess cortisol and adrenaline from their muscle tissues and their body. And we as humans, we're like... (laughs) (laughs) We contract. Yes. We contract. And we're like, I'm going to hold it. I'm going to hold it. And it's like, that's not going to serve us. So I think that's another great tool for releasing. Um, and if, you know, if there's, if you've been on your healing journey for a long time and you're feeling like at a plateau, I really ketamine therapy changed my healing experience Mm -hmm. and my life. Um, I'm not talking about like these little ketamine bars that are popping up. Um, and I'm not talking about the street drug special K or anything like that. I'm talking about doing it with a, a trained psychiatrist. Um, but ketamine is the only legal psychedelic. It's also known to be the gentlest, but also the most effective and powerful. So for me, and I'm the person that was like terrified of drugs and like bad at smoking pot and all of it. Um, but it was... You know, I, I, my experiences were with Dr. Jeff Becker and we worked together and talked about what I wanted to look at. He explains what would happen. He injected it. It's got a short half-life. So you have this like 20 minute journey. Oh, interesting. Come, yeah,
0: yeah. Come back short.
1: down. Another injection. So it's three little journeys. And then you have time to like kind of process with him, and then, you know, f- in follow-up sessions. But, um, you know, he explained it to me, it kind of quiets this thinking, chattery part of the brain, and it actually allows new neural pathways to form, because, because those parts of the brain that are normally so active are quieted, it allows, like, if you think of your brain as different groups, like in high school, and normally, if only the like you know musicians talk to the debate team, well, when that part of the brain is quieted, like the cheerleaders can talk to the musicians, can talk to the debate team, can talk to like everybody's talking, mm. so new neural pathways are forming, and we're able to um, see or understand the traumatic experience from a bit of a distance it's almost like depersonalizing. And there's like a reprocessing around it that for me, I found incredibly cathartic in my healing.
0: Interesting. Okay. I have like so many ketamine questions, but that's not what this (laughs) entire show is about. But I do, I am going to ask you like one or two questions because it isn't something that I have, I have worked with. And actually, I don't think we've had anybody on the show thus far and coming into our third season that's really talked about it. So. I'm thinking from a listener perspective, these are the things that they're rolling through their head right now is how trippy is it? Like, what level of psychedelic are we talking?
1: We're talking, um, and again, you're talking to someone that had never done any of this. So, sure. Uh, and since then I will say I have, um, I have tried psychedelic mushrooms too since then. So those are the two things that, that I can, that compare. You can
0: compare. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I would say the ketamine is super trippy, so yeah. that's why you wanna be with a doctor in a safe environment you know you're you have an eye mask on, there's music playing, you're reclined and kind of a lazy boy, and you're not aware of your body you are yeah. in a completely different realm and dimension that is really, it it was not scary for me. Once you kind of let go and it's kind of beautiful and wondrous and like, wow, this is all available and all this love Mm -hmm. and connection, but we're all stuck in our three-dimensional realities, which are necessary to, you know, get about our daily lives and and stuff. But, but to just understand that that's there, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it, uh, it's worth exploring if, if it's safe for you and good for you. Yeah. Um, I really found it to be life-changing.
0: Mm, very cool. And on the other side of it, when you have that experience in the doctor's office with, which is a guided and safe experience, you, are you able to then still access what, what was shown to you in that experience and then continue to process after that?
1: Exactly. So um, although ketamine has a short half-life, meaning that it wears off quickly and it leaves your body quickly, which is another reason why it's a good good choice. Um, yeah. The, the neural pathways, Dr. Becker explained, like for even weeks following, like there's still reprogramming and reprocessing going on. And it's almost as if like, I mean, it sounds woo-woo, but it's like, you never noticed how beautiful that flower was before. Yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I felt like at least in the days following, there was like my aperture was more open yeah. for taking in like the wonder and the beauty that maybe I, the day before, had just like not noticed because, you know. Yeah. So it yeah. continues to to happen. And I remembered most of my, I mean, I had like certain poignant images shown to me or scenes and I remembered those. Mm. Um, so yeah, you do remember.
0: Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. My, the, my experience and this iteration of my life is with a little bit of microdosing of mushrooms. And there's a, Mm -hmm. a little bit of that experience of definitely that, those experiences of wonder of, Oh, I didn't realize how beautiful the flowers in my right outside of my back my backyard window are. There's definitely some of that. And I am the person who was not scared of drugs when I was younger. So I tried <laughs> all the things when I was like okay. in my twenties, but it was so different then because it was not who knows what I was actually getting my hands on when I was like at some party in my twenties at some club in New Orleans, which is where I was living. So who knows what that was like. And and that I think I've just noticed the experiences with mushrooms specifically in a much more controlled environment and in a microdosing sort of way have been so different from anything I experienced in my, in my wild youth days.
1: Yeah, and I just want to say something about that too. I think that your intention going into taking whatever it is or Mm -hmm. whatever experience is really important. Like if we're going into it with reverence and, Uh you know, I'm taking this not to escape or, you know, and sometimes it's fun to take a, I've done that now, like had a little bit of mushrooms with a bunch of girlfriends and dance, dance, dance. But if the intent, you know, whatever the intention is, if it's like, show me what I need to know, help me heal. I think there's a different outcome than, And I love New Orleans, but like, (laughs) woo!
0: (laughs) Yeah, definitely a different outcome. It was it was all fun times, but very different outcome. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. What's one thing that you think that the majority of people get really wrong in regards to trauma and healing?
1: I think that there's like an end point that, like, I'm done. You know, like I'm healed. And, um, and I think, you know, certainly when we're in the aftermath of trauma or in a re-triggered state and we're suffering, you just want to get through it. And like, I want this part to be over, um, and it will be over. And that's like the whole point, like the title of the book, trusting the dawn, like it always gets light again, which I need to remind myself of still sometimes, you know, like the rain will stop these feelings will pass. So I think that's something that I really want people to know. It's like, you have not failed at your healing. It's like, it goes like this and that's okay. And, and when we get triggered, you know, I think it's just like another opportunity, like, oh, okay. There's like a little bit still undone here. Or, you know, I've been through a really hard time. So that's why these feelings are coming up. But like, look how well I've Done And look how far I've come. So I think that's, that's something that, um, yeah, I just want people to know.
0: Yeah. What would you recommend to someone who is going through the healing process has had something traumatic happen and they're having moments in which they're like, today is a day of a lot of darkness and I need to, I need, and they're able to recognize that, but they don't necessarily have a strategy to like kind of jumpstart the shift. What are some things that you would recommend to really get in there and make, make a marked shift in order to get to the place where you can be sitting down to do the meditation, where you can be really connecting into those modalities? What's that, what's that, what's that good stuff that can help us get through that hump?
1: Um, yeah, I actually just had that day on Monday. It was the five-year anniversary of the mudslide and Mm you know, evacuation orders and everything I just said and um, really intense. And I think a really important thing is like acknowledge yourself for noticing and for for saying like, whoa, I'm like, this is a really hard day. This is a hard moment. I, I feel like I'm in the dark. And And then for me, something that's really helpful is journaling, like writing it all down, like don't sugarcoat it. Like, you know, most days I have like a journaling practice where I'm grateful and manifesting and all, you know, but on those dark days, like don't skip over those feelings, like get them out, write about them. If there's someone safe to speak to about them, like speak about them, um, cry, crying releases cortisol. Um, and then again, it's that even if you don't feel like it and I understand cause I didn't feel like doing it the other day either, but like make yourself move your body. Totally. Um, and get in your body again. Like I think mm-hmm. again, that like whoop, I'm out again. It's like, okay, feel your feet on the ground, like scrunch your toes, like do a body scan. Where am I feeling this? Okay. I'm feeling it. Now we're going to move our body. Now we're going to breath work is amazing. Just, You know, the box breathing, that can help kind of regulate our um, parasympathetic system. Um, So the box breathing is like, you know, we breathe in for four, hold our breath for four, breathe out for four, hold at the bottom for four, and onwards doing that for five minutes even can help kind of reset ourselves. Um, Self-care is a great thing, like take a hot bath, Yes. Go take a bath. Yes. Go take a bath, take a shower, do a little like gua sha or facial massage or <laughs> yes. whatever, like a hair mask or, you know, but again, just like little things like that. And then maybe try a meditation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I had one of these days we, we all have them, right? It's like, it doesn't matter how much processing you do. You're going to have, have these days. It was, probably i don't know two or three saturdays ago maybe maybe four saturdays ago and i'd gotten some news that was 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 pretty tough and i was like i was i i, I could have gone two directions where i was like mm, this could like make me retreat like pretty quickly like that contraction mm-hmm. or i can like go move this move this through my body so i got in the car drove over to lake hollywood which is like a 4 mile loop cranked up the music as loud as I could on my earbuds or my AirPods. And it was like Kendrick Lamar and it was like blasting it. And I just (laughs) cried and like speed walked around the lake. And I was, I was kind of like laughing with a girlfriend later that night, we were having a chat, which is always really helpful to me too. Just like having a connection with a great girlfriend. And she was like, how you doing? How'd you process like what happened today? I was like, oh, I had to like Kendrick Lamar walked and was like the lady crying at the lake, but it felt amazing to just get that through my body. And that's yeah. not always the approach that I would take. But in that moment, it was, it was exactly what I needed.
1: Yeah, I think it's a good one. Um, and also, you know, for people that are, if if people are feeling even darker than that, and there's like, you know suicidal thoughts or anything like that, like please like call your therapist. Yeah. There are hotlines, like call somebody. Like mm-hmm. you're not alone. And again, like the dark, it it does it does always lift and pass. So just hold on and call someone.
0: Yeah. If if it's really need to. important to share. Really, really important. Yeah. Tell me about the process of writing the book for you. How how was <laughs> it writing the book?
1: Um You know, it was really cathartic. It was definitely hard work. It took years. Yeah. Um, It was a real labor of love. And um, yeah, I think, you know, what spurred it on, I I like remember the moment where I was like, ah, I need to write the book. I was coming back from a college reunion and I'd been telling the story of the mudslide over and over and over again because, you know, people hadn't seen me since it and realizing, you know being met with like, oh my God, and PTSD, and oh my you're gonna be like cursed forever and haunted and um, and realizing on my plane ride home, like, well yeah, it's true. I definitely have PTSD. And I'd also had like such incredible growth and amazing things happen in my life that never would have happened if I hadn't gone through that intense contraction of trauma and then the healing. Um, so from that point on, it was like, okay, <laughs> figuring out what it was, how to shape it. The proposal process is intense. Mm-hmm. I was really lucky and wound up, um, working with an incredible agent who then worked with me on my proposal for yeah. months. Um, and then the actual writing. And for me, it took a lot longer, just that like maybe then, other people, I think, because I interviewed a ton of different people, um, and did like lots and lots of research. So there was that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. 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 No small feat and so very rewarding. So rewarding.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's great just to be able to connect with you and, um, you know, have different people from all over the world, actually, at this point, like reaching out and saying that it helped them in some way. That's the point. So yeah. So hopefully.
0: Amazing. I want to ask you before we wrap up about your retreats. You've been leading retreats, as you mentioned, for over a decade. We lead retreats in this community too. I think for both of us, we know what brilliant time and space retreats can create when we're really thinking about making a commitment to self. Yeah. So I'm I'm interested to hear from you a little bit about your retreats and why you find them to be so important in our life journey.
1: Well, I guess the, what leading up to the retreats, so I have my master's in psychology. I've moved to California from the East coast and been exposed to energy healing and Reiki and yoga and all, you know, it sounds ridiculous, but like I've never done yoga before I moved to California. Um, So that part of my life was opening up. And then um, my sister and I, Lucy, who we have our company together, Firestone Sisters, we had been doing a lot of travel writing at the time. And all of a sudden it just crystallized that for us, like travel and going to a new culture and a different space was already a little bit healing because you're away from like the day to day and you're In a cocoon of learning about other people or being somewhere that's lovely. So it was like, okay, that's very healing. And then if we could bring like these practitioners that had helped change our lives to these beautiful places and kind of curate the whole thing for people, then all they have to do is show up go to whatever workshops they want to go to, and then also have time and space in a beautiful place to just get in touch with themselves again. So that's how it began. And I remember our first one, I was not a mother yet. And we had like scheduled like 7 a.m. yoga. And I was like, where is, you know, so-and-so and so-and-so and -and 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 so-and-so? Like, why aren't they here? And then I'm like... (laughs) Okay, like they're delighted to be away from their kids and to be able to sleep. And so now, you know, over the years, we've curated the timing and everything is like if whatever feels right to you, you are your own best guide. You are your own best guru. Uh, So we have our next one, our next big one coming up in May on the island of Mustique in the Caribbean, which is just Mm -hmm. like a magical place in and of itself. But we always do them like in lovely, cocoony places because I just, it's part of it.
0: It's part of it. Absolutely. Yeah. My journey into leading retreats was very similar. I was doing some travel writing, travel blogging, was having that experience for myself. I ended up living on the southern coast of uh, Spain for about six months in 2014. And I was like, if the, the wild thing was I ended up living, and I did not know this before I got there within walking distance to the largest Buddhist temple in the West, it was wild. I was like, well, if this isn't a sign that I'm supposed to be se- spending a bunch of time here, like, I don't know yeah. what is. So I, I did that. And on the other side of that, through my travels and through that six month experience, I had that same feeling of like, what if all the other women in my community, people that I know could have this same experience and I could, I could cultivate something for them or they don't have to necessarily move to Spain for six months, but they could come for a week and just really go in and then do exactly what you're saying, to have that be your own guide, be your own guru, and we'll make all the things available to you. And it's it's been such a special part of my life, so I always love hearing about other I love that, Amy.
1: too. Oh, I want to go on yours. <laughs> yeah, <and> I want <laughs> to go on your surgery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, seriously.
0: Seriously. I'm like, hmm, I may be coming to Mystique. That sounds amazing. And Spain sounds lovely. <laughs> yeah. So good. So good. Okay. So to wrap us up, anything else that's been on your mind most recently as we've been moving into this year of 2023 that you would like to share with our listeners? Any parting words of wisdom?
1: Um, hmm. I think, you know, starting a new year, there's always this feeling of wanting to like make all these changes and burst ahead. And, and I have it too. And I've really been working now to kind of modulate and balance and recognize that that is, you know, the best stuff in life comes from that place. And, and often when we're pushing and forcing that the results are not, um, fulfilling if they yeah. happen, you know? Totally. I don't know totally. how wise that is, but that's. I, just I, think, think, it's pretty, I, right I think
0: it's pretty wise. <laughs> I, I've very much been in this headspace of like, let's let go, let's surrender. Let's like, let things flow. We don't have to have like these huge priority checklists. Like, let's just be a little bit
1: coming into yeah. this year. And astrologically speaking, two planets have been retrograde, Mars and Mercury, until January 19th, So, mm-hmm. which I did know about. So I'm like, I'm just not even going to push or <laughs> worry about anything till January 19th because it's going to get met with resistance.
0: Yeah. Good thinking. Good yeah. thinking. Always check with the stars. They'll help guide totally. you.
1: Yes. Yeah. I have a part about that in the book too, psychological astrology, mm. which that I love. I recommend Dr. Jennifer Fried. She's amazing. She has two books that map to your soul and something else. Anyway, Dr. Jennifer Free, she's great. And then also um, Chani Nicholas is really helpful too. She's so great. Yeah. I love her.
0: Brilliant. So where can folks find the book and more about you and the retreats, the Firestone Sisters, all of that good stuff?
1: On my, I have my own website, which is maryfirestone.co, not com, because someone else has that, and then firestonesisters.com. Um, and the book is everywhere. It's on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, your local bookseller.
0: Perfect. So, perfect. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me today, Mary. It's been such a treat, and I encourage everyone to go pick up a copy of the book and to go book a retreat somewhere this year in 2023 Truly. yes
1: and i'm gonna book yours andy
0: <laughs> i love it i love it so much thanks for joining me thank you andy thank you so much to mary for joining us for this episode today for this community before we wrap up this episode in this season of the fish and pisces season a season of imagination creativity daydreaming compassion and the romance of life I am excited to share that I have something brand new coming for you for being a part of this community. It is a monthly membership for conscious creatives and ritual lovers. We will gather monthly, and you'll have a portal full of magical meditations, affirmations, and playlists for your mind. Plus, Business and career resources for your inner CEO. If you're interested, make sure you are on our newsletter list. I have a link to sign up for the newsletter in the show notes. That's where you will get the details for our monthly membership and have first access to join us in this new membership community. Lastly, Before I sign off this week, if you have not yet left us a review this season or for this show in the past two seasons, please make sure you drop down onto the app that you are listening to this show on and tap five stars if you think that that's what this show is worthy of. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and leave us a note. In the review section about this particular episode, let me know that this is the episode that you listened to. Let me know what you thought about the episode. And if you have recommendations of future topics or guests, let us know that too. You can tag us at your woo woo BFF. If you are so inclined to share this show on your Instagram and your stories, give us a tag at your woo woo BFF. I will see you back here next Thursday like we do every week. With that, we are complete. Much love. Signing off. You will be at